Fathers, we come and open your word now. I pray that you would come and speak life-giving words to us this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, come. You know every single one who's here this morning. You know what we brought in. You know the things that are occupying our thoughts. You know the weighty things that are in our lives today, things that we haven't even shared with others, but you know them. You know the joys that we bring. And so I pray, come Holy Spirit, take this ancient life-giving word of yours and speak life to us. Meet us right where we are. And we make our prayer, come Holy Spirit. For We can only know and understand and actually live this out with your presence among us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. You know, one of the things that I've, I've realized over this past, what, year and a half plus with the pandemic and being and living in such a polarized nation today is that uncertainty, stress, pressure make us do strange things. <laughs> Some folks have lashed out in anger because of the stress and pressure around. Some have chosen to retreat and isolate themselves from others. Some have pulled back from church and other community altogether. All and look for things elsewhere. And I name this because it's so important to understand what's going on today and how God's Word speaks such truth to us where we are today. One of the reasons why we are going through the book of Hebrews in this season this fall is this. It's about the importance of learning how to hold fast without wavering. These are uncertain days ahead, Things are challenging, they will likely get more challenging. We don't need to be afraid, but we need to learn as as followers of Jesus, what does it really look like to hold fast to Christ without wavering? That's exactly what the original audience here uh, was experiencing and was going through. They too were going through times of intense pressure, times were changing where they were. Theirs was a little different in that they were experiencing persecution and some of it was quite intense. One of the ways that they responded to the pressure and uncertainty around them was the way I think some of us have expressed it, uh, experienced it as well, and that's blending into our surroundings, playing the role of the chameleon. You know, when you're one way with this group over here, and then when you're with another group over here, your, your kind of personality, your, the things you, you attach to or change, that's exactly what the original audience uh, that the book of Hebrews was written to were doing. They were pulling away, if you will, and blending in much more with the culture around them. And and, and while I don't know the questions that the author of Hebrews was was thinking as God inspired this word for him to speak and write down, but I can only imagine a couple of the questions, one being this, were they going to stand up to stand out for the Lord in their culture? Were they going to do that? Were they going to press into the truths of the gospel and grow in godliness Or were they going to stand down and give in when the pressure increased? Those are two important questions I think that we need to be asking ourselves today. Are we going to be people who follow Jesus in such a way that we're going to stand up and stand out for the Lord? Or, amidst the pressure that we find, are we going to pull back and find ourselves standing down, giving in? The book of Hebrews, and this section in particular, is a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call to the church. It's a wake-up call for you and me today 
to say, am I going to take, if I say I follow Jesus, am I going to take that seriously where I really am giving my whole heart and life into what it looks like to be a disciple, one who truly follows Jesus? So this morning as we look at this passage, we're only going to look at a handful of verses at the end of chapter 5, but two points I want to highlight. First is the wake-up call that we see, and secondly, the danger of not responding to the call, okay? First the wake-up call, and then we're going to look at the danger of not responding. We pick this up at Hebrews 5, verses 11 through 13. Here's what we read. About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is, like, since he is a child. Where we pick up here is the author of Hebrews was just talking about previously, and we looked at it last week when Jay preached, this whole idea of, of Jesus being our true faithful high priest and all the implications of what it means that he's a high priest. So the author's been talking about that, and now he stops, he puts a pin in it, and he says, you know what, I can't keep going on. Because it's not that it's, not that it's too difficult to understand the realities of Jesus being a high priest, y'all just aren't getting it. What he's saying to them is, you're, you're dull of hearing, you're not able to receive these truths. You've become like an infant instead of been growing as a mature follower of Jesus. You see, they'd become lazy, and they weren't able to understand. And that phrase, dull of hearing, in verse 11, can be translated in this way. You become sluggish in your ears. Sluggish in your ears, slow to learn. When I think about that, I think of the imagery of a... Have you ever seen a slug? You know, slugs are like snails with no shell, and they move fast. no. They move incredibly slow. It's like they're barely moving. I think that's what was happening to these early Christians to which the author of Hebrews was writing. Instead of growing deep in their maturity in Christ, they had reverted back to someone who's like an infant who can only have milk, not steak. You see, they were growing very, very slowly in their journey in following Jesus And this reference to teachers is really a reference to discipleship. Where these folks should have been, they should have been mature enough to disciple others who were younger in their faith. But instead, they needed people to disciple them. You see, I think they'd forgotten the basic principles that they once heard. They forgot because they weren't giving themselves to the Scriptures. They weren't giving themselves to learning and not just hearing a message, but actually putting it into practice and living it out, regardless of how difficult that might look. You see, when I think about what their lives were like back then, and the lack of intentionality in following Jesus, they weren't giving themselves to spiritual practices. I think they were probably showing up every now and then to the synagogue to hear a message, but that's it. And so as a result, they were growing as spiritual infants because there were no practices that they were giving themselves to. Now, when I think about this, I was reminded when when I was in seminary, when we were in seminary, um, I wanted to take up the guitar because that was what the cool people did in seminary. So you could lead your family in worship music. So I got a guitar 
and my next-door neighbor was teaching me. So I got the books, and I was learning the chords, and, and I was learning how to strum and, 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 and all of that. And then I realized, okay, when you take up something new, I'd forgotten this, it takes time, it takes practice, and it takes discipline. Now, I had all the right intentions to want to learn how to play the guitar, and I could strum it okay, and I learned a couple of chords. But then over time, I was like, this is too hard. <laughs> you know what I did? I just set it aside. I set it aside, and I'd see it over there in the corner every now and then. I'd go, but I really want to learn how to play. So I'd pick it up and strum a little bit. No, I set it aside. And what I realized is, though I had the desire to play the guitar, I lacked the discipline of follow-through. So I didn't do it, and I didn't mature. Friends, I think that is so true with our spiritual lives as well. If we're going to grow in anything, especially in our spiritual lives, we have got to be giving ourselves to practices. We can't just sit back and be a spectator. And when I think about this, my fear is there are many people in the church today who come and you're just a spectator. You come and you hear it, and maybe you come a couple of times a month, or, or you give yourself to reading a, a 10-minute devotion every few days, and if that's the extent, you could easily stay as a spiritual infant, you see? See, friends, this is a wake-up call for us in the church, because God has something so much greater for us, and if we would just dive in to the riches of His Word and, and begin this practice of not just reading a few pages or hearing a sermon and then going on about your day, but really soaking in to the life-giving truths of the Scriptures. If we really did that, we would find ourselves growing in incredible ways if we would just give ourselves to the wake-up call of reading, meditating on Scripture, not just for information. We can be really good at that. But we read it for transformation. We read it that as we encounter the living God and the living Word of God, when we really give ourselves, we find our lives actually being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. And friends, when we do, I will tell you, you will become captivated by how incredible this Word is because it shows us a God who came to save and redeem and restore. And I don't know about you, but I need to hear that message every day. I think that's why the psalmist who wrote Psalm 119 put it this way in verses 14 to 16. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. I mean, there was something that stirred in this writer to want to know more of God, to give themselves to the Scriptures. Why? Because God has revealed himself in such a way as the life-giving God who would walk with us moment by moment, bringing us forgiveness and mercy and grace every day. I love how that psalmist put it. I delight as much as in riches. What would that be like if, if you picked this up and, and just gave more time in reading and meditating on it and it began to go, I delight, this, this is better than anything else. I recently heard someone say, now this is a challenge, it's not a, oh, you got to go do, but I was pretty convicted. Uh, an individual was challenged by the Lord to give up the two hours that they gave each night watching TV 
and instead began to open God's Word and use that time to read and to pray, to intercede for other people. Could you imagine what that would be like to give two hours a night? I'm not saying you have to go do it, but it challenges me to go, what does my day look like? What do my evenings look like? Are there things in my life that, that I need to begin to change so that I can reorient my life more around the Word of God and the practice of prayer? Something to think about, isn't it? Because we fill our days, and you know, the reality is we're in control of the 24 hours that we have. But often we let everyone else and everything else control that time. Friends, I think in this wake-up call for us in the church today, it's that we would stand up to say, I long to grow deeper. I want to know more. I want to know more of the riches of this God who has come to save me. You see, it's not just for our own understanding. As we're transformed, what you and I, what we find is this, is that we actually read and learn and are transformed for the sake of others. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. A lot of times we just read it for our own selves. But what happens is, as we read it, we're transformed. We take the light of Christ to the people around us, and we bring this hope-filled message to people who are looking for hope in all these different places, but it's leaving them empty. See, it's not just about me. It's not just about you. It's about what God wants to do in us and through us to the community and the people around us with this incredible hope-filled message. So that's the wake-up call for us, isn't it? It's to say, Lord, what is it going to take for me to begin to dive in with a greater intentionality to not just say, I'm going to give you lip service saying I'm a Christian, but I'm going to come and say, I want to be all in because there's something far greater that you are doing in our midst. That's the wake-up call. Second point is this, the danger of not responding. What happens if we don't? Here's what I want us to hear. If we're not growing in spiritual maturity, we're going to be like people who are being carried by every wind of doctrine and the culture that we hear every day. When I think about that, I go back to the very beginning. Remember when Adam and Eve were in the garden and Satan the serpent comes up to them to tempt them and he says these words, did God really say? Then he goes on to elaborate. Did God really say? Put the question in their heads. Friends, if we don't know what God's Word really says, when the, 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 the talk and the chatter of the culture around us, the, the winds of, of doctrine that they're wanting to bring into our lives, we don't know what's true, we're going to be easily carried away into those and receive that as the truth as opposed to the Word of God. We look at verse 14. Look at this in the bulletin. He goes on and he writes, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. See what he's saying there? Is that if we want discernment, if we want to be able to discern what's right and wrong, what's true and false, what's good and evil, we've got to train ourselves, we've got to give ourselves to practices. It's not going to happen if we're just spectators out there. You see, the great danger is if we're slow to hear the truths of Scripture, then the message that we're going to hear the loudest over everything else is the message of the culture. And I believe it's going to so tickle our ears and have enough truth in there to begin to carry us away. 
because it sounds very appealing, but friends, I can tell you, it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't satisfy. Scott McKnight, who's a professor at Northern Seminary, wrote this. It's a pretty startling statement. Contemporary Christianity has increasingly displaced the Bible as its foundation for knowing what to think and how to live and supplanted it with experience, desire, and preference. In other words, it has surrendered its heart to personal freedoms. Me choosing what I want. You choosing what you want. The whole idea of radical individualism. That's what we see and hear all throughout the culture today. A guy by the name of Mark Sayers, he's from Australia, he wrote a book called Disappearing Church. And I've been reading it, and, and it's actually a book I would recommend it for every person in this room to get it. It's an incredible book on understanding where the culture is today, what's happening today, and seeing the hope that the church has to speak life-giving truth into what's going on in our culture. You want to understand all the complexities. This book is an easy read, but he gets into that. So on this topic of this radical individualism, here's what he wrote. Follow your passion, chart your own course, march to the beat of your own drum, follow your dreams, find yourself. This is the litany of the expressive individual. It's not just the mantra that you find in the public square or on college campuses. It's the mantra that's creeping into the church. It's the mantra that many in the church are buying into, and it is so subtle. Do you see it? Have you heard it? Have you bought into it? Maybe I'll rephrase that last question. How have you bought into it? Because if I'm honest, I know and I've looked at my life and I have seen ways that I have bought in to part of it. It's very appealing, but friends, it is a lie. I am not my own master. (laughs) I have a Savior and a King and a Lord. You see, what I'm seeing happening in our post-Christian culture today is that people want, they want the kingdom without the king. They want the kingdom without the king. They want the kingdom, things like justice, peace, equality, and compassion, good things, but they want it without a king. And what's happening is we're seeing a deconstruction of the sacred. Faith in a transcendent God who's ordered life in such a way that has a plan of salvation that as we lean into and receive what Jesus did for us on the cross, when we live into that, we find that our lives actually come alive and we flourish. That's being thrown out. And authority is no longer found in God, but in the individual. So that's the message that we hear all around us every day. And friends, here's the truth. If we're not grounded and growing in maturity then the beliefs that we're hearing around us, that's going to begin to erode our faith, slowly but surely. I heard someone say the other day these words, are pretty striking, and I think it's very true. Many Christians are abiding in the news more than abiding in God's Word. <laughs> more Christians are abiding in the news than abiding in God's Word. Let me ask you a question. What are you tuned into more these days? What are you giving yourself more to these days? What are you feasting on? What are your social media posts revealing about what you're giving your life to? There's so many ideologies of our culture today, and whether it's politics or social, whatever, that so many are, that's becoming the main thing, and the gospel is no longer the main thing. 
Friends, we need a wake-up call because the gospel has got to be the main thing. It is the main thing because it's the main life and source of truth for you and me. You've heard me say it numerous times, and I'll say it again this morning. We're all being shaped into something, aren't we? Whatever we give ourselves to, that's what shapes and forms our lives. So the question I ask is, what are you giving yourself to? What's forming and shaping your life? Friends, when we give our lives to this incredible book right here, when we really give our lives to it, we will find that it forms and shapes us in the most freeing way ever. You will find joy. You will find peace. You will find contentment. You will find life in all the challenges that we face because of God's life-giving word. I want to... I guess I can't say it enough because I so long for us to be a body here at St. Andrews that we're giving ourselves to these truths, friends. It is so life-giving. I long that you come alive. I long that I come more and more alive. I believe we have an incredible opportunity in the church today to recapture our orthodox beliefs, the things that we say in the creed over and over every Sunday. It is the truth, and it's what brings life. And when we give ourselves to it, Friends, we begin to see a culture change around us because we're bringing something that actually offers life. But to do it, we've got to have our roots deep in the Word of God, right? I want to close with this illustration. It's from the book that I mentioned by Mark Sayers, Disappearing Church. And in this book, he gives this great illustration of a documentary that he watched of um, of a jungle. And in this jungle... Uh, these photographers captured this huge, massive tree falling to the ground. And when this tree fell to the ground, it created this great space for sunlight to come in where it wasn't coming in before. And so they set up their time-lapse photography to capture what was going to happen. And so what you see is, with this tree gone, the sunlight coming in, all these plants, all this vegetation beginning to grow and begin to flourish because the sunlight was coming down on it. And then you begin to see a a very small, thin trunk begin to come out of the ground. And as it grows and as its branches reach out, leaves begin to be on this tree, and then vines begin to grow up around it. And all of a sudden you think, wow, how incredible. But then It captures this incredible scene where this massive trunk begins to come out of the ground and it grows taller and taller and taller to where it towers above all the other trees around it. And it's this tree that is massive and it stands firm. And then you begin to see the the, the plants that were growing beneath it, they begin to die. And so the author posed the question, and it's a great question, what made the tree stand out and thrive towering above the others? Was it just the sunlight? No, because the plants had the sunlight too. You know what made the difference for that one tree towering tall, higher above all the others? It's that its roots were slowly growing deep into the soil, down where there was a water source. So that as its roots were connected to this water source, it was able to live and grow stronger and taller than everything around it. And it lived. Friends, I believe the same call is true for you and me. When we live planting our lives deep in the soil of the scriptures of God's incredible word, we find that we too will live and flourish and grow 
and have something incredible to bring to those around us. I believe God's calling us to a season of renewal in the church today. I believe it's time that we stop being spectators or playing around, but that we really say, I'm going to be all in. And I want to, be what it, I want to live what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple who is making other disciples, bringing others along to know the riches of God's grace. But to do it, we've got to be grounded and rooted in His Word. So the question I leave you with is this. Are you ready to stand up and stand out for Christ? Or are you going to pull back and stand down and give in? Are you going to stand up? Or are you going to stand down? That's the message that's before us. My prayer is that by God's grace, you would say, I want to be all in. And then we begin to learn and grow together through the riches of God's Word. Amen? Let's pray. Father, this is um, a challenging word for us, but it's a challenging word and a challenging day. And I fully believe, Father, you are calling us up. You're calling us to a season of renewal. You're calling us a season of, of renewed faithfulness and surrender to you. I get the picture that you put on my heart earlier this morning saying no more just playing games. You can't just play games. Lord, let us get in the game and see our part. Father, I pray for everyone here, whether it's someone who's young or a teenager, or someone who's 85 or older, would you give us through the power and presence of your spirit a hunger and thirst for your word. And as we dive in, that you would grow us deep in these truths so that we could stand up and stand out for you. Jesus, we love you. We need you. We ask that you would do above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.